Franklin. Yo, 53 Podcast. We're here week three. Same people here. I'm Luke. This is Jason. We're doing it again in the same style that we have. Vikings, Bears, breakdown first. Break down a couple of the big games of the weekend. We'll hash out our big highlights of the weekend. We'll crown somebody. We'll talk about matchups next week and then do our three predictions at the end of the show. Jason, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm recovering, man. If we have another Bears week like this, that's three in a row. I don't know if my heart can take it. So, uh, <laughs> might not be here next week. Who knows? Well, I'm pretty excited to get into the Bears game. That's uh, a talker in and of itself. I mean, you could go on for hours about this Atlanta Falcons team. Uh, but before we do that, I think it's time to uh, get into the five. Let's do it, baby. Uh, I'm going to start off with a one that's really going to challenge you. If it was raining meatballs, would you eat one? Oh, for sure. I didn't even flinch. Yeah. No, no questions asked. I mean, I eat snow. Like, why wouldn't I eat a meatball? Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I guess that just means really low standards. You may ask, whose meatballs are they? Or, like, how are they made? Are they beef or pork? I can't, you know. No questions asked, you said. All right. Um, number two, if you could be an emoji, which would you be? Ooh. Uh, the winky with a tongue out. Uh, Predictable. Uh, best one. All right. All right. Um, Manning. Uh, number three, appropriate from last night's presidential debate. Uh, if you were running for president, what would your campaign slogan be? Uh, my campaign slogan would be go with the flow. Go with the flow. All right. Yeah. I got to wonder which demographic you're appealing to there. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, hey, man, we're chilling, bro. So you're going for, you know, the Seattle yippies that are still just <laughs> yeah, trash on Capitol Hill. Yeah, I don't think my platform is going to be that great. I don't think I'm going to get that many wins. I don't think I'm going to be a majority <laughs> holder at all. So I'm not going to run for politics anytime soon. Yeah. Nope, that's all good. All right, number four. Uh, would you rather be a part of the Incredibles family or the Weasley family? Oh, the Weasleys. Why is that? Well, first off, I don't really like the Incredibles. I think they're weird. Um, Okay. And the Weasleys are like, as a family, have so much diversity in character that they're really fun. They got the fun twins, Fred and George. Uh, Percy's like kind of a smart ass. Uh, Ginny's kind of adventurous. Uh, Ron, you know what? Ron kind of sucks. Let's be honest. Ron's like the guy that's like your friend and he's just there. <laughs> um, doesn't really like offer all too much and he's kind of a powder a lot and then mr and mrs weasley i mean they're phenomenal mrs weasley is a badass in the last battle um she kills bellatrix lestrange and is like what up uh spoilers. Uh, yeah spoilers from a book from over 20 years ago um and then mr weasley is <laughs> very curious and i like a curious dad he's always like playing with trinkets and stuff that'd be kind of cool sure fun yeah i never got into harry potter so i think i would have said incredibles but um great explanation on your end i really appreciate that you're welcome all right last one before we get into some football again uh if you had a time machine that could only work one time what point in the past or in the future would you visit oh god um i don't like this at all uh, <laughs> This is like this. This could be your like capstone presentation for a philosophy class. Like you could sure. write a thesis on this and why you choose something. So, but I don't have that much time to think about it. So I'm going to give you an answer, and I'm going to go to the future, and not too distant future. I want to go like 25 years from then. 2045. All right. What do you hope to see at that time? Um, if we're still alive, would be cool. Um, that's that would put us in our fifties. Not us as individuals, us as a human race. Um, oh, damn. 
and then yeah see the <laughs> see the shift in like what we've done to do space travel or do like what entertains people then are we like more globalized are we more um nationalized i don't know it's kind of cool to think about yeah i think so too and I, I, I'm kind of torn on that question. I still don't have an answer for it because part of me is like, I would love to go back 100 years and see what it was to like to live in the 1920s, but bringing back what I know now about how, not like back to the future, like take advantage of history, but knowing how it works and what it felt like at the time. But then also the same thing to go ahead 100 years to 2121. Yeah. 2120. You know, just to see, it's like, man. That's a hundred years outdated. They were doing this a hundred years ago. That's not just our grandparents, but it's our great, great grandparents. Things have changed so much. What do we think now that is, you know, normal that is now, you know, faux pas in the, in 2120. Right. So I think both of those are really cool. You can get caught daydreaming about both. Well, yeah, I don't want to get into it any more than this, but I'll say something like if I went back a hundred years from now thinking that I could change the world, like nothing would change. I'd be like, yo, we use cell phones. They'd be like, what's a cell phone? I'd be like, gotta uh, do electricity uh, first, bud. <laughs> be like, uh, internet. They'd be like, oh, how do you do that? I'd be like, I don't know, man. I just know it's a thing. <laughs> I should have. First, you gotta like, invent YouTube. Yeah, even if you went like prehistoric and you're like, fire, they'd be like, what? And they'd be like, can you show us? I'd be like, ah, uh, maybe. Do you have a lighter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bic, B-I-C. Click, click, got it? Yeah. <laughs> Just walk down to the corner store. Oh, Come on, man. All right, dude, I love it. I love the good back and forth there. I love the energy. Um, I'm hoping you can find a way to bring it into our first recap of the Vikings game, though. Vikings-Titans, kind of an upset, late game drama. Go. Upset, uh, I'm not going to let you sneak that one past me. The Titans were favored by three in this game. They won two games in the playoffs. They were up by 10 against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, so upset's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but I will say, dude, like we shine so brightly at times and then so poorly in other times on offense and on defense. Offensively, we – uh, set a record in the NFL for first time ever. Uh, a player ran for over 175 yards, and a different player ran or received over 175 yards uh, with Delvin Cook Very and cool. Justin Jefferson. This is Justin Jefferson's first start, uh, our first round rookie pick. He looked amazing in his uh, debut. Obviously, the 70 plus yard play for the touchdown was phenomenal. It's exactly kind of what we need on this team and what we were missing in the first two games. Uh, but it really comes down to our defense just can't get off the field, can't stop the run, um, kind of looking lost that we haven't really seen before in the Mike Zimmer era. So it's really kind of tough to sit here and continue to blame Kirk Cousins, even though he does at times did look incompetent and our three and outs are definitely a problem. Uh, but when you score 30 points in two of your three games and lose both those games, it's really hard to blame uh, the offense. So I really look at it defensively, and we really need to start standing up for ourselves at some point and play as a team again. So, you know, we got Houston Texans coming up this week. We're both 0-3. We're, we're fighting from a pretty deep hole, so we'll see what happens. It's kind of what I got so far. Derrick Henry made him look pretty good. He is. He does have he does flash those big runs every once in a while. Obviously, he had like that ninety nine yarder last year and ninety yarder. It's the Jags, right? But even when he doesn't have games like that, at the end you look at his box score and you're like, oh damn, he rushed for four point something yards per carry, hundred twenty two yards and a touchdown. Doesn't really feel that way, and you look back at it and you're like, yeah, he just dominates like six yards, six yards, eight yards. Keeps rolling. That is the grind. Absolutely. And the Titans are built so well where they can do that. We held them – our defense did stand up for ourselves and held them to six field goals. Um, so, you know, we're not allowing so many touchdowns. But, man, like, we can't continue to give up this much yards and this many points. So, 
but it's really where our, my focus lies is fixing this defense and getting off the field and winning this time of possession game. Sure. So one of the things, more on an X and O's basis, you know, it's interesting to see these last two games for the Vikings because you have a team like the Titans, and before that it was a team like the Colts. The Vikings are, in theory, supposed to be built the same way. Their, their offense is supposed to be consistent, run first. Their defense is supposed to be the strong suit, uh, making things happen, keeping them in games. Uh, it just seems like the Colts and the Titans did it better than the Vikings the last two games for the Vikings. X's and O's wise, what are they missing? Is it is it pressure? Uh, a lot of people have been saying takeaways, which is usually my big thing. Um, you, you're not going to get takeaways. You're not going to win games. Um, is it just execution? Is it youth? What are all these things coming together in an X and O's side for you? What do you see? I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton wrong with this team, um, but I think there's small fixes. Um, the big thing is inexperience at corner. Uh, being able to get off the field on third and long, uh, getting to the quarterback and not necessarily getting home. We've got home now. Ngakwe is now two, uh, a sack in week two and a sack now in week three. Uh, this one was a sack strip, or they both were sack strips. Um, so, like, that's going to get better with Daniil Hunter coming back eventually. Yeah, this next couple weeks, corner. right? Yeah, we haven't got a specific timetable yet. Um, and then offensively, it's just finding a groove and being able to protect Kirk Cousins when we know we're going to pass. In passing situations, we cannot pass the ball. If we can run the ball effectively, then we can pass effectively. But when we're down and out and need to pass the ball, we look atrocious. I think it comes down X's and O's wise is we got to keep guys in to block. Like our guards are not holding up our the pass rush against us the last two weeks uh, has been dominating and makes Kirk uncomfortable in the pocket. We can't get him out of the pocket when we're not doing play action. So all those add up to what you're seeing on the field. And I sure. think they're small fixes, but when you have that many small problems, like it leads to an 0-3 record that we have. But as an optimistic Viking fan, we played three probably playoff teams already. Um, so eventually we're going to be playing worse teams, which is kind of nice. Um, so looking forward to, you know, playing a team like the Lions and hopefully winning those games, you know. Um, so I'm not super down. Uh, our yeah. playoff chances are definitely dwindling. Um, you know, I thought we were almost a lock at a playoff spot, at least in the wild card. Uh, but right now it's kind of scary. Yeah, I thought so too, especially with the extra wild card slot this year. Um, you know, last point, I guess, on this game for me is you, you talk about it and I'm you know, talking about your favorite position here. The best teams in the league seem to have really good tight ends. And I thought for sure, at least at this point in the league, we'd see a bigger jump from Irv Smith Jr. Now, obviously, that's with a lot of the dysfunction yet. They haven't found his role quite yet, but I was honestly expecting him to be more of a number two, number three receiving option in this offense so far. Knowing that Jefferson's young, they got to get incorporated. They're not having a really, you know, BC Johnson, maybe. I'm really shocked that he hasn't been targeted more and kind of because he is versatile. He's, he's slick, he's smooth, he's fast, he can run routes, he's learning the block better. Um, thoughts there? Uh, yeah, it's kind of disappointing to not see either of our tight ends involved. Uh, Rudy does have a nice catch in the second half of the game that put us up a score. Um, and Irv Smith, I don't think, had a single target in this game. It's kind of frustrating knowing that he's going to get out. He's a guy at the, the beginning of the year, it sounds like, hey, we're going to get him more involved. He's going to play out of the slot. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. Be kind of this critical focal point in our team. And Gary Kubiak has always liked a mobile tight end. And it, it just hasn't been there. And maybe that is a piece that we're missing because we don't need to run the ball to get a couple yards on first down. Yeah. We, we can just throw to the flats to Irv and get a couple yards. We need to incorporate it in our offense. Uh, and it's really been a pain point for me, knowing that we have this playmaker sitting there and not like utilizing him to his full potential in his second year. Yeah, it's a good point about early and often because second down, short and medium is a hell of a lot scarier to a defense than second down and long, third long. So. Right. You'll find that throughout a lot of these games. So, yeah, I really think there's some talent on this team 
to where they can turn it around, and I'm not doing that just to make you feel better. Uh, I, I thought for sure that they'd be able to, you know, coach them through this, especially with the Kubiak uh, consistency there. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, when's their bye week? Their bye week's late this year, right? Yeah. Uh, so, eight, you know, eight or nine. Well, that's not too late. Um, hopefully they find a streak before that to take into uh, the bye week and get healthier, uh, that type of thing. So we'll see how it goes. Well, let's move on to the Bears. Uh, the Bears probably had uh, the most exciting game of the weekend, maybe. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple others, but uh, we see the classic Atlanta Falcons meltdown. Dan Quinn probably has the hottest spot out of any NFL coach uh, going two games in a row with at any given point in the game at 15 point lead, loses the lead, loses the game. He could really write a book on how to lose a lead in the NFL. What are your thoughts after this week with the bears winning 30 to 26 over the Falcons? I'm uh, not going to lie. I almost turned it off again at halftime. These cardiac bears, like I alluded to in the intro, it just, I, <laughs> holy cow. Um, you know, and that's just because they're, they're not executing up to snuff. It was nice to see that the pass rush was getting home a lot more this week, which is exciting. Um, I have to go and figure out a little bit more the rule book on what calls are <laughs> these days about what pass interference is, yeah. uh, what ruling a catch is, because we had two weeks in a row with a touchdown pick in the end zone. Uh, Oh, well, touchdown pick. One, This one was in the end zone. Um, roughing the passer. One of them definitely was a penalty. The second one, the other guy was blocked into him and hit him late. Um, but all that to be said, I mean, you saw Khalil Max getting off the ball hard. Akeem Hicks is really finally getting back to where he was, being hurt all last year. Um, we have some work to do with our linebacking core, but the secondary is playing well. Um, obviously, the one, the focal point in this one is going to be Nick Foles, Mitch meter type deal. I still got the Mitchell meter at about a five. I don't think he was <laughs> five. I'll give him a five still. I mean, didn't they announce really Foles as the starter? They did. I still like the guy. I still think he can perform. Um, Nick Foles proved that he can play in this offense. He can still play in this league. I've been a Foles guy since he was with Philly under the Chip Kelly offense. Uh, we saw a little bit of that here. Um, five drives five trips to the end zone arguably could have been five touchdowns uh one was that touchdown pick the other one was dropped uh and then obviously those three touchdowns would come back and win um insane i mean you hear about things he's making checks with the line audibling he's just seeing and getting the ball out faster a half a second faster everything in the nfl um you can see a better vision a better anticipation than what mitch is able to do um, there were reports this week that he told Anthony Miller on that deep uh, middle post uh, to go ahead late. He said, look, they're going to all-out blitz here. If they all-out blitz, just run to the L in the end zone. I'll hit you. <laughs> the ball will be there. I and Foles like takes a shot in the chest, lobs it up, lobs it up. The ball barely gets there. It literally just it, as soft as a feather lands in Miller's arms, and that was the touchdown. It was really, really cool. Uh, we haven't seen quarterback play like that in a while. Now, it wasn't the most efficient. There were a couple balls where they definitely should have been picked, like a, a late down ball to uh, Jimmy Graham on an extended play. What literally went through defenders' hands. That could have been the game, uh, but it worked out. I mean, I think Foles was 15 of 30 throwing, but he didn't have three touchdowns. So it wasn't the most efficient, uh, but he was ready to go, and he won. Uh, so we'll see. The Bears have a tougher matchup coming this week. We'll see how they perform in that one. I mean – We'll see how it goes with Foles having all the reps this week. Um, I think that can do a lot for the offense, and I'm hoping they don't get away. Obviously, in the second half, they were down this last week. They got away from the run game. But I'm hoping they find a way to reestablish that and keep getting, you know, Montgomery the ball. So, I mean, we're going to play the Colts. Colts, a uh, lot of familiarity there uh, within the front offices. Uh, they're built to run the ball as well. That Tampa 2 defense is sneaky good. And Frank Wright, coach Nick Foles, and coach with some of the other guys in Philly, being Nagy and DeFilippo, the quarterback's coach. So a lot of familiarity there. Um, I think the first half is going to be up and down in that familiar, the familiarity is going to lead to some guys trying some things and some guys gotcha, some gotcha plays uh, to start this game early. Sure. All right, cool. I uh, think you're crazy on your Mitchell Meteor. Uh, five is still What does a five hard... mean to you? 
What is five, five, five is still a starter. I think anything below a five is no longer the starter. Uh, five's like a bad game, but hey, this is still our quarterback. That's five to me. But like you said, Foles comes in and does the most Foles thing possible and just like shines. Yeah, he threw he threw a pick, which was controversial in a way, uh, where the defensive back kind of ripped it out of his hands. So, like, on Foles' first drive, throws that pick, and you're like, whoa, shit. Like, what are we doing now? What's the guy got to uh, do, you know? But then he comes back. I mean, the, the Falcons just completely fell apart. Uh, their last six possessions, four punts, a missed field goal, and an interception. Um, who knows what the hell's going on there? I'm really happy I'm not a Falcons fan, uh, even though my team's 0-3 as well. We'll get into another crazy game that was a was a landslide victory. Pulled the Falcons, ended up winning the game, and that is the Buffalo Bills against the Los Angeles Rams. The Bills were up 28 to three. The fabled 28 to three. It's like a 2-0 lead in hockey, right? Right. Uh, so they're up 28 to three. The Rams battled all the way back. They, they struggled at the beginning. They battled all the way back. Their offense started clicking, but Josh Allen had the last laugh. He was able to throw a touchdown in the corner to the tight end with a minute, something left. They win the game 30 or 35, 30 or 35, 32. And really what I got out of this game is like, we saw something from both both these teams that were kind of right on the edge of being contenders that we needed to see. Could the Rams play from sure. behind? Box check. Yes. Did they not win the game? All right, cool. Uh, could the Bills play well enough to win a full game and not just, like, walk their way through a game? They proved that here. They went up big. They struggled. They overcame their struggle. Um, I think Josh Allen – is like a chicken with his head cut off sometimes. He just kind of just <laughs> razzle-dazzles, plays in the backyard, which is super fun to watch. Um, but it's very – Hard to rely on. But it's working right now. So you, you, you can't say anything wrong about it because it, it's working. I mean, it's exactly what they need uh, for that team to succeed. So uh, my thoughts on these teams, I, I think they're contenders. I think they're both contenders playoffs for sure I mean the Josh Allen thing it's fun to watch but it's really hard to rely on um the one thing that doesn't get brought up a lot is well, it does but not enough Aaron Donald had two sacks and a force fumble in that game I guarantee you that's a big reason why the Rams came back because I know they had a couple injuries in the secondary as well um Buffalo is a team where you don't have a whole lot of stars on that team so it's cool to see a team like that under the radar blue collar town uh coming up i mean last year they came onto the scene uh and this year they're not the underdog so much they're right in the middle tier of the of the upper tier there oh yeah so i'm interested to see how they approach games and so far so good uh especially playing you know a, a decent opponent here yeah i think it's cool and you know i like my rams tyler higby cooper cup chalk them up. i'm a fantasy team baby chopping it up but Cooper Cup did the most Cooper Cup thing, you know, just like Foles did a Foles thing, Cup did a Cup thing, and had nine receptions, 100-some yards, and a touchdown. That's what we're used to seeing out of Cooper Cup. We didn't see it the first two weeks, so I'm happy he's getting back to his old ways. Um, in the end, I, I'm a fan of Jared Goff. I know you've had questions about him in the past, um, but I'm a fan of him. I don't think he gets enough recognition in this league. Um, and, you know, maybe that will come. Uh, eventually, he's still very young in his career. Um, but he's got all the weapons that they need on offense. Their defense is going to play all right for them. They got the toughest division in football, so we'll see how that ends up. But we're going to see great matchups coming up with everybody in their division, Seahawks, Niners, and even the Cardinals. Even though they lost this week, the Cardinals are still uh, contenders with their kind of new form team as well. Uh, but we'll bring it on to America's Game of the Week. And that was Seattle versus the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Seattle ended up winning 38-31. Did you get a chance to watch this one? How'd you feel? I did get a chance to watch the show. Um, DK has been killing it on my fantasy team this year. Love that I went out and got him. 
with young talent comes growing pain. Okay, so he had the um, and much like the one for against uh, what's his name Stephon Gilmore last year last week catches the ball over the guy thinks he's walking to the end zone. It's a clear touchdown. It's a fifty plus yard throw and he gets punched out through the back of the end zone for a uh, touchback to the other team. Change of possession. Not only was that a six point swing in the game, it was like a 13, 14 point swing in the fantasy league there. <laughs> Come on, dude. You're still a second year player. Get your rear end in the end zone. Stop showboating. I mean, that one could have easily put this game out of reach. There's no reason the Cowboys should have ever been in that game after that point, but you're the reason you gave one. I'm sure he'll get it all figured out. I'm sure Pete Carroll will get on his rear end and Russell will be in his beer. Uh, hey, man, if I'm one touchdown short for the MVP, that's on you. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it'll go that far, but I know DK's got to be thinking it. Um, what were your some of your impressions here? I mean, there was no defense given the score, but not a whole lot of impressive defensive play in this game at all as far as pass rush, turnovers, et cetera. What did you see? Um, I see I see a lot of positives out of the Cowboys. Um, I think people are writing them off. They had a tough first three weeks as well. Um, what I do like about them, they're leading the league in total offense, despite not the run game like working so well um, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're built to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott and play off of that. But Dak had to step up and play the game. He threw for like 470 yards. So I was pretty impressed with that. Um, and actually, Aldon Smith is we, – we're going to talk about him every week, it seems like. But he had three sacks in this game. Um, oh, yes, he did. I, I, I take that back. You're totally right. There was, a, there was some flash of defense there. Yeah, and um, it's just so hard, even when you get Seattle backed up, that they're still able to make plays. Um, but I, I, I really think we saw what we needed to see. Everything's happening right now. Who knows what's going on? With uh, Stranger <laughs> Things going on back there? Yeah, dude, I think there's ghosts. I don't know what's happening. Uh, Casper. But the next five games for the Cowboys are looking promising. So they're one and two right now, but – uh, after their next five, Browns, Giants, Cardinals, Washington football team, and the Eagles, they could easily be uh, six and two. So um, I'm not giving up on them either. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, I think Dak is currently proving that he's going to be the guy uh, if they're willing to pay him. And uh, one weird quick question is like, does it feel like Seattle plays at home every week? Like, do they just get a home game? Every week, right? Default. Like, I feel like they're always at home. What's up with that? Uh, you know, you might be right. They might be the only team in the league that gets that. They played. I am uh, double checking that right now because they played the New England at home. But you know what it is? It's because they have the late games and they have the prime time games. They played the first game in Atlanta, well, and I then it was at home. New England. Well, I mean. The fact that the last two games were on prime time and game of the week, I mean, that's all you're seeing this year. So right. I, I, I'm with you there. It's definitely, definitely feels that way. They need to get that montage in, uh, in the marketplace with the throwing the fish. That's why they do it, you know? Oh, yeah, there you go. Is it still standing after the whole Capitol Hill deal? I doubt it. Um, there you go. That's all we got for oh. that one. Uh, Tyler Lockett shows up. He has 100 catches, three touchdowns. All right, so we'll move on to the Packers game here. Uh, Packers end up winning this game 37-30 to against the Saints. This was the Sunday night game. Uh, I think there's a lot of key things that happened here. Al Camara, a huge increased role with Michael Thomas out. Um, Aaron Rodgers at times looked like he needed a number receiver, and then at other times uh, really relied on uh, Lazard to kind of get the job done. Uh, is there anything that kind of stood out to you? Um, yeah, I think the the window is closing very quickly. Now this is a wreck, but they just look older. Middle of the field threat, there's no – intermediate depth, a deep ball threat. It's all 15 yards or less. I mean, there's no 25-yard crossers that we're used to seeing. Um, I don't think they're as scary. Kamara is the scariest thing. 
both in the NFL and on my fantasy team and on my wife's fantasy team. Shout out again. Um, but it's interesting to see they've got weapons, Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders that aren't really being used. Um, I like, I really like the, uh, the return man, number 11. He's got quite a burst and an afterburner in short space. So I, I know they try to use some of those, you know, jet motions to get him involved in little screen games, but uh, you got to try something to get him more involved, especially when you're down your best receiver. Um, and I think the whole Taysom Hill thing is starting to look a lot like the 2019 Chicago Bears. Everything's just looking a little bit gimmicky right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you my thoughts on this Taysom Hill thing. I think he is way overutilized in an offense. Why would you take the ball out of the hands of Drew Brees? Why would you take the ball out of the hands of Alvin Kamara? And you can even add Latavius Murphy into that. Like, to me, it doesn't make any sense. You have the good enough players that you don't need to do this gimmick thing. It obviously weighed its head when he fumbled in the third quarter and really kind of changed the game. When the Saints could have drove and scored there to go up seven, uh, he fumbles around midfield, and you're like, why? Why is this happening? You're running the ball well. Granted, your passing game's a lot of checkdowns, but they're working. Why is he involved so much? Why do they continue to feel the need to feed this guy? It's, uh, it's proving to be that this $15 million a year on him was not a good idea. I agree, Murray. I'm shocked that with how innovative that Breeze and Sean Payton have been, they're not doing more uh, gun, like split close with the double backs, why they're not using that, because they're, they're still your most threatening guys. Murray can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's not as dynamic, but he is a threat. Uh, if anything, hold the linebackers up five yards or two steps. Uh, let some of those posts get behind. Um, but I'm also like actually shocked that we're not seeing a little bit more creativity out of New Orleans, especially with the decreased arm strength of Drew Brees. He's still very accurate. I'm shocked that we're not getting a lot more of the creativity behind the screen game. Like we see with all of these jet sweep motions from Kansas City, you see a jet sweep motion fake, fake the screen to the left, and then all of a sudden it's a back screen, middle of the field screen to the tight end. That sounds like a Taysom Hill play to me. That sounds like you've got two great backs to me and a short, shifty space guy. To me, why aren't you using those types of things? If you can't go vertical, at least make them hesitate or spread the defense out. And I, right. I'm shocked that any one of those few things are not being used. Um, and then the defense itself, they're getting some pressure, but Cam Jordan can't do it all himself. Marshawn Lattimore has been human. Um, Malcolm Jenkins has been a stud again, but he's going to show his age here, I think, pretty quick. What else are you seeing other than, you know, the breeze and the backs on offense or defense? Just this team as a whole, I just feel like we've always counted on them to be there and have an identity. And I think they're lacking that. Well, yeah, I think that's exactly it. And they are playing good talent. Um, the Raiders had a really good game against them. Uh, the Packers played almost a flawless game against them. So you, it's hard to count them out uh, of a lot of wins. But, you know, how I see it is – if they don't if they don't get Michael Thomas back and healthy, there is really nothing here that's too exciting. Like it just proves that everything that they're doing and everything that they game plan for is with him on the field. And without him, they feel very lost. I mean, he's the MVP of that team. Um, even with Alvin Kamara doing what he's doing, it shows that they're lost a lot of the times. But they're still able to score, um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and that's just Drew Brees being Drew Brees. Um, but in the end, I'm not, I'm not sold on them winning the division there. I, I think I was at the beginning of the year. Uh, now I'm no longer sold on that. Um, they did beat Tom Brady week one, but now Brady looks like he's kind of finding a rhythm. Um, so I'll, I'll chalk up the New Orleans Saints as a team that's falling out of contender and a team like the Bills and the Rams are – kind of taking over that spot. There is a, a little flip in division there uh, for me. Uh, if there was an uptick on a team, Bills, Rams, downtick, Saints. And uh, this game was a, is definitely a reason for that. Sure. And I will – don't let it go understated that, obviously, first game of the week, they looked pretty darn good against Tampa Bay. Uh, they won that game in convincing fashion. Um, but they had three – the first three games of the year were primetime games. 
You've got game of the week against Brady, Monday night football with the new stadium and the Raiders, and then you got the Packers, who are going to be a serious contender this year uh, in a row. So we'll see what they're able to do picking up after that because next week, I believe the Saints don't have that hard of a game. Um, I forget who they play this week coming up. Uh, they play Detroit in Detroit. So could be could be a playoff or a play-down game, but uh, one they should win theoretically. So we'll have to keep an eye on them because they win that game, maybe you know they're back to 2-2 two and two and there's some confidence coming back. It's interesting to see you know, how, what two or three weeks can do for public opinion. All right, so I think we exhausted that game a little bit. Uh, so we'll move on. I got a question for you in this game. The Monday night game, Lamar Jackson has lost five games in his career. Two of them happen to be against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Is that an indictment on Lamar not, in, not being able to shoot the firepower with Mahomes? Or do you think he can't live up to the moment? Do you think he needs to prove himself against a better opponent? What are your overall thoughts on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens after this Monday night game? Well, I think it tells us a couple of things. KC might have his number on defense. But you think about some of the other games that he lost. He lost last year, the year before, in the playoffs to the Chargers. The Chargers were completely decimated on defense, but found a way to play basically six safeties the whole game. So what it proved is Lamar Jackson, although superhuman, has kryptonite when his other talent is disciplined and locks up uh, his offensive weapons. Uh, it, the game's on his shoulders. He needs a little bit of help from time to time. Um, I think that the Kansas City defense is uniquely qualified to fit that. They have guys that can play man-to-man. They have guys that can rush the passer, not only on the edge, uh, but Chris Jones up the middle. And you've got Tyron Matthew who can be kind of the landlord throughout the middle and, and do a – he can play zone deep. He can play zone middle, Robert. He can, you know, fake you out. He can do man up. He can pressure the run. He can play the flats. Um, so he's kind of that alto player to kind of key in on Lamar Jackson or – is reads because when you do those play action fakes on those power veers and those downhill option plays, and then you pull back to pass, you you really only got two or three routes. Um, so if you've got someone who can key on that, I think that helps, and that's something that the league's going to key in on. Not to make light of it, just saying simple X's and O's. It's very hard to stop. It's very hard to do. It's very 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 hard to stay not only gap discipline and assignment discipline in the run game because that's what's going to give you the most fits in space and downhill. But then to be able to react accordingly and read your keys, especially when you know that the, Lamar can actually throw the ball, as we learned last year, uh, and throw it well and throw it deep, um, it's going to be very hard to do. So is it specifically KC? I, I like to think there's some parts to that, but uh, I think Lamar Jackson is human enough to be schemed against. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and it's hard watching these games when he's in prime time and not looking like he's looking against the Browns, not looking like he's looking against some inferior opponents. Sure. Uh, and in this one, I mean, there are downright bad at, at times. Uh, there's times he's missing his wide receivers. He had two or three drops, two from Mark Andrews, which you rarely see. He's very sure-handed uh, and he needs those plays. Um, but it really comes down to, establishing the game early and then playing with a lead. That's how they win games. Uh, they had to play from behind. They had a couple chances. The Chiefs fumbled. They went three and out to start the third quarter, and the Ravens still kind of couldn't get back on the horse. Um, I think this was a dominant game for the Chiefs, and it proved that they're the Super Bowl champions, and they are going to be uh, the team we know of them until they get knocked off this horse, and that might not be for a while. Uh, even though they looked lackluster against the Chargers, they definitely looked like a powerhouse against the Ravens, uh, who had the number one defense coming into the weekend. So uh, it's pretty pretty interesting to see. Yeah, you know, in that little while might not be until the uh, 10-year, $500 million contract is up because both are great quarterbacks. Mahomes is, I would say, transcendent with what he's able to do. I think Lamar is a very good quarterback and an outstanding elite athlete. But uh, to keep putting them two in the same conversation right now, uh, I think it's sexy to say it, but I don't think Lamar's earned it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he's not, he's not quite as polished as, as the top guys in the league quite yet. 
Um, and he, he relies on the um, scheduled plays with his feet, and it works well for them, like I said, with the win and whatever. Um, Chiefs, positive light for them. Uh, they had five players with four more catches. Uh, they really spread the ball around and make the Ravens' defense look kind of silly uh, almost the whole game. Uh, really getting everybody involved, including a fullback shovel for a touchdown. And then they even threw to Eric Fisher, their number one overall draft pick from a couple of years ago, <laughs> for a touchdown. So uh, big boy touchdowns. We'd love to see it. Um, Absolutely. That's all I got to say about this game. I mean, KC, uh, Kansas City is, is definitely number one in the power rankings. I don't think the Ravens fall off too much. They're still in the top five, if you ask me. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's usually – when you watch KC, you see a lot of box score highlights. Um, it wasn't really the case in this game. Um, everybody, like you said, spread the love out with passing. How about for the rest of the week, though? Who jumped out to you in the box scores uh, from other teams around the league? Yeah, box score. Um I just wanted to give a nod to Justin Herbert, his second start. He didn't even know he was starting last week. 300-yard passing game yet again. Yes, I know it was a loss, uh, but I think there's positive things to be built out of this game. He gets Keenan Allen involved, 111 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler has 11 catches. I think he's the guy moving forward, if you ask me, and they're going to continue to build around him. I'm, I'm not going to say he's a franchise guy quite yet, but he's doing all right in my book. Yeah, um, solid, impressive performance for game two. Uh, mine is going to have to be the probably once or twice a year game that we always get from him. Sexy Rex Burkhead yeah. out of New England. Uh, very frustrating as a guy who's expecting the projected 24 fantasy points from Cam Newton. Looks like Cam Newton was robbed of those three touchdowns from Rex Burkhead, almost 100 yards. They also had another back go for six carries and over 100 yards as well. Um, we know he's going to do this twice a year. Didn't think it was going to happen this week, just given the matchup. But uh, that is three touchdowns, just three touchdowns, no matter which way you spin it from a non-quarterback. That's right. Yeah, Rex Burkhead, man. And that's all going to go away because uh, James White comes back. Their rookie comes back uh, off the IR. He was practicing today. So that Rex Burkhead just finds his way, finds his way down the uh, depth chart so we won't see his name all too often in the box score highlights coming up. Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to crown him. It's time to crown him, Jason. You want to crown him? Then crown him! It's time. Um, it'd be so easy to go ahead and crown Nick Foles. That's the homer answer, but I won't do that. I'll give him the honorable mention. I think that there is no way that you cannot crown Elvin Kamara this week. He puts up Fantasy-wise, 44.5 fantasy points in the PPR league. Uh, wouldn't it surprise you to say he put up that many points and only rushed the ball six times? Unbelievable. Yeah, he did it on prime time. He did it by himself. He didn't even look tired. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just a little energizer bunny out there. It's absolutely crazy. So that's Elvin Kamara's for sure mine. Who do you have this week? I think I got a feeling, but I'll see where you're at. Uh, my crown of the week is uh, ex-Viking first-round draft pick Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, Gets yeah. a pick six on the first drive of the game. Gets a second pick in the game. Xavier Rhodes, welcome to Indy. We played against him last week. He looked good. This week, two interceptions. Xavier Rhodes, your crown. I really like that for him. That's good to hear, you know, kind of a little bit of a – renaissance resurgence but you think about being in the same kind of system he's playing a lot more cover two this year in that system so the corner it's not as demanding uh in coverage as far as traveling down the field which he was struggling with so this really allows him a chance to be physical which he's been good at and you know to kind of really anticipate as he comes into his call him his veteran years so very cool to see yeah so crown him there week four we'll get into it real quick um Big game this week is Kansas City, Patriots. It's a fun one. I'm uh, really excited to see this duel. I think New England's proved that they can score, but can they score as well as Kansas City can score? And Bill Belichick, I know, wants to put a statement out there against Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a fun battle to watch. 
Yeah, absolutely. Can they, I think they can score, but can they score at the same rate or and on demand? Uh, that'll be an interesting one to see. Um, pending COVID, the uh, Steelers and Titans game should be pretty good this week too. Yeah, man, uh, might end up playing on Monday. Um, if it doesn't, it kind of delays a lot of things. Um, it'd be fun to have a doubleheader on Monday, I guess. So looking forward to that matchup. Uh, two pretty fun, hard-nosed teams. So we'll see about that one. Minshew report, then we'll get into the three. How does that sound? Sounds like the Minshew report's going to be disappointing. It wasn't good, man. This is a classic Thursday sloppy game. They play against Miami, yep. who you think would be a pretty easy opponent. And Minshew looked a little lost out there. I think it's pretty evident that they need DJ Chark on their offense. He was hurt this game. I'm not too out on Minshew. I think he's the guy. I think they like him there. It's just a bad game. Chalk it up to a short week, and we'll get after it next week. That's about all I can say about the Minshew report. Yeah, sloppy, sloppy Joe. Um, it's hard to do it in Florida on a Thursday night against the Miami team. It could definitely be a play-up or a play-down team. Uh, Minshew has some of the intangibles there. He was missing some deep balls by a mile as this game. And I don't think it's because he had happy feet. Um, maybe it's Chark. Maybe he needs more than that. But he definitely needs more talent around him if this offense is ever going to go places. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Well, let's get into the three. I'll start with my first. This is a prediction coming into week four. And I am going to predict that Kenyon Drake has his first RB1 fantasy number output of the season. And my reason for that is they're playing against the Panthers, who has given up the most rushing touchdowns so far this year. They're, they were a historically bad rushing team last year. Kenyon Drake, if you held on to him and didn't trade him yet, I think he's going to finally pay off for your fantasy owners out there. That's a pretty fun one. I think uh, the high-volume offense of the Cardinals has a chance to really do that for him. So, cool call. Um, I think – I don't know if you've been watching The Herd or Colin Cowherd this week. I think – I'm a believer in the big Carson Wentz hat turn. I think Philadelphia is going to upset the Niners on Sunday Night Football this week. Oh, I like it. So you're anti-Colin Cowherd. You think the hat turn is a good thing. No, he. The, I think you missed this week's episode. Oh, God. Carson Wentz went from backwards to forwards. Now that he's forwards, he thinks he's going to win. I'm not, I'm not yeah. actually buying that, but I do think that the 0-3 Eagles are going to find a way to pull themselves out of this hole. <laughs> so it's going to be a good week. Yeah, he's back. He's a franchise quarterback again, just with one simple flip of the cap. It's all it takes sometimes. You just gotta, you know, maybe he's a very suspicious guy. You gotta sit here instead of there. You gotta have three eggs instead of two for breakfast. Maybe you gotta listen to Celine Dion before the game. Who knows? Yeah, change it up a little bit. Well, I'll get into my second. I have another win prediction. I think the first overall pick, Joe Burrow, and the Bengals get their first win against Minshew Mania and the Jags. Dang, I like that one so much. It was going to be my second one. Nice work. <laughs> um, what my second one's going to be, I think Atlanta Falcons will upset Green Bay. Not because they're going to be a better team. I think they're going to find a way to pull together more offense than the Packers. I like it. That's, uh, that's the Monday night game. Absolutely. More prime time, baby. I love What's watching your number three? I love watching the Packers lose in prime time, so I'm I'm all for that. Uh, my number three. No, no, no! Wait, 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 wait! You do your number three last. Yours is way cooler than mine. I'm gonna do mine two in a row. All right. So my third one is gonna be that there's no delays of COVID this week. All right. <laughs> Even though we already have one. Well, the game's not delayed officially. Oh, it's going to be delayed. All right, cool. Nope. I think the league finds a way to figure it out. I think uh, the game gets played on – well, delay being it'll get paid 
this calendar week meaning Monday night at the latest. I don't think it's going to go past Monday. Is my point. Fair. I'll give you that. I'll give you. I'll give you the Monday as the kicker. All uh, right. Now, what's your last one, buddy? I feel like we got something good cooking here. I know we got something good cooking here. Bring it on. It's kind of cheesy, especially because this episode has been a little choppy on the audio and video side. But we're now on Spotify. You can find Let's the go. podcast on Spotify. That's right. So it's an either, easier place to listen. You don't have to look at our ugly mugs on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. Um, search us, the 53 Podcast Football. It's going to be the easiest way to find us on there. Uh, please like and subscribe on YouTube. And please like and follow on Spotify as we continue to crank out these uh, weekly recaps for you guys. It's been really fun. Uh, there's been a lot of challenges along the way. We're roughly maybe 20 episodes into this ordeal and we're learning on our way. So uh, we appreciate all the support that we've gotten so far and we're having fun with it. So hopefully you guys are too. We're excited for the new venture. So this is great. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to knocking out some more content. Maybe we'll get you some earlier in the week uh, as we get more into the swing of things and into our repertoire. We'll uh, come with some more fun things. Uh, maybe some tweaks to the five, maybe some tweaks to the three. Um, you know, hopefully uh, both teams of ours, the Bears and Vikings, get winning. So we both uh, have some more excitement talk, talking about our own team. Uh, but it is really it is really exciting talking about some of these matchups, talking with my guy Luke here. Uh, just going back and forth about some good old football. That's right. Well, this has been the 53 Week 3 Recap. We'll catch you guys next week. I am Luke. This is Jason signing off.